It's October 24th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got four updates for you this morning on topics that we have covered in previous episodes that are still shaping America and the world. First, an update for you regarding a report that I delivered just a couple of weeks ago about illegal migrants and a startling number of them on the FBI's terror watch list. I've got an update about that, and it's not good news. Second, I have briefed you previously on how the U.S. federal deficit and debt are pushing this country closer to default. Well, I've got two updates on that with one key takeaway. Third, grab your maps, folks, because we are going back to the South China Sea this morning, just like we did back on August 23rd. And we are headed back there to talk about a fight between China, the Philippines, and maybe the United States. Fourth, we wrap up the podcast later by heading back to the African countries of Ghana and the Ivory Coast. We stopped there all the way back in June, but we're going back for an update about the world's supply of chocolate, of all things, and a connection to radical Islamic terror. Later, we answer a question today from Brent in Virginia, who has a very well-timed question about how liberal cities in this nation are embracing some conservative solutions to their problems. I've got some updates for you out of Washington, D.C., San Francisco, and New York City. But before we get to all of that, let's get to our first top stories and updates of the morning. We start with a new record, ladies and gentlemen. The U.S. Customs and Border Protection officials announced over the weekend that they had arrested or encountered 269,000 illegal migrants in just the month of September. And that record brings the yearly total for illegals encountered to 2.48 million. And yes, that is also a record. Now, to put those numbers into context, consider that in the year 2017, we encountered around 310,000 illegals for the entire year. We now get that number in about one month. Well, given that, you probably won't be surprised to hear this. Border Patrol officers arrested 169 people this past year who are on the FBI terror watch list. And that, too, is a new record, more than the last six years combined. Now, I should say that the 169, that is just known or suspected terrorists. There are tens of thousands of more migrants that are coming from countries that are deemed to be, quote, special interest, end quote. Countries like Afghanistan, Syria, Egypt, Iraq, Turkey. Of course, all those are having special connections, as it were, to things like Islamic terrorism. I should also note that there have been at least 1.5 million gotaways on top of all these numbers. Those individuals have slipped into America since Joe Biden has taken office. And that includes Chinese citizens who are sneaking through in record numbers. And indeed, there are growing concerns about that related to the possibility of maybe a sabotage team or two. For what it's worth, most of those record number of migrants are coming from Venezuela. And that is because most of those people are fleeing some pretty terrible economic conditions in that country and are in search of a job. In fact, that is why around 75% of not just those Venezuelans, but all illegal migrants are crossing the border. They are all looking for jobs and economic stability. That's based on some data that I give you back on September 20th. If you're wondering how the Biden White House is responding to all these facts and data, all these new records, well, they are blaming Republicans this morning. They say that the GOP has refused to authorize more money to strengthen the border. They're also claiming that actually 
The Biden White House is increasing deportation flights of most, especially Venezuelans, as well as others to help deal with this migrant crisis. And that is true, actually. But one note of caution, Biden officials have authorized about two deportation flights a week, at least in the Venezuelan case. And that means at most a few hundred of their citizens are going to be forced home, which isn't a lot when you consider that 54,000 Venezuelans arrived just last month. So those are the updated facts and data this morning on this ongoing national crisis on our southern border. Let me now pivot briefly to my analysis and opinion with three key takeaways for you. First, well, you don't need to be a former CIA officer to know that record numbers of known or likely terrorists coming into this country is bad. So simply put, we have a national security emergency and and we ought to have folks in D.C. who treat it accordingly. Second, I would like us to reflect on this. There are millions of people now in this country that are here for a job, not because they love America or our Constitution or our culture or language. They're here for a job. And that creates a pretty big problem when you're trying to govern a very diverse nation. In other words, when we face moments of strife, what holds us together? In moments of great crisis or disaster or God forbid attack, what are the ties that bind us to to fight back and to secure the nation? Well, the, the truth is, if folks are just coming here for jobs, there aren't many ties at all. And that is very bad for the long term survival of this nation. Third, when we think about how to fix this, we've talked previously about new presidential leadership in order to first strengthen the border, second, change immigration policies, and third, probably deport a whole bunch of people, millions. But there is a challenge to that last part, right? These illegal migrants will be here for years, and that is because the average wait time for an asylum judge is currently around four, four and a half years. In the meantime, we can safely assume that a lot of these migrants are going to get married or have kids. And those children, sometimes referred to as anchor babies, mean that we have a much more complicated process to removing the family, certainly, either because of constitutional protections about that child being born in the U.S. or just the optics of deporting these types of migrants and their kids. So if we really want to deport some or most of the now 4 million migrants that have arrived under Mr. Biden, you're probably going to have to do something different, and that is amend the Constitution to restrict something that is called birthright citizenship. Right? And if that is the decision to change the Constitution to remove more of these illegal migrants, well, that is both very challenging and politically fraught. One last thing on that issue of politics. Some politicians like former President Donald Trump believe that they can change this birthright citizenship issue via executive order. In other words, through the president's office. But odds are that's probably not correct. Instead, it will require a constitutional amendment. So my point is this, ladies and gentlemen, solving this problem of illegal migration is going to be tough and it is going to have to be done in steps. But the first one is electing a president who is not afraid to take on this very tough fight. More to come. With that, we turn to our second update of the morning. Back on October 10th, I gave you the news that the nonpartisan budget model at Penn Wharton School of Business estimated that the United States has about 20 years or less to tame its outrageous budget deficits and national debt, or else we will enter into a default. Now, since that time on October 10th, we've gotten, frankly, an avalanche of other reporting from outlets like Market Watch to The New York Times, all confirming that our debt and our deficit levels are unsustainable. 
Indeed, our national deficit is sitting at $2 trillion a year. Well, on Friday and over the weekend, we got two other pieces of news that when you add them up, I think offer us one key takeaway. But rather than me tell you what I think it is, let me just tell you the news and see if you agree. So, without tipping my hat, here is the first of the two pieces of news. On Friday, the U.S. Treasury Department announced that payments on the interest for our national debt have doubled over the past two years to $659 billion annually. That number is the new baseline for what we should expect to pay for each year on interest payments moving forward. But some economists are predicting that depending on the interest rates, that number will actually reach $2 trillion annually. And if so, that would be around 30% of all tax revenues, which would require Congress to borrow more money to just pay off the interest. And that cycle of borrowing to pay off interest is often referred to as the death spiral in the financial world. For what it's worth, the exploding deficit and interest payments fundamentally boil down to either too little tax revenue or too much spending or a combination of the two. So that is the first bit of news out of Washington, D.C. this morning. And that takes us to our second piece of news. And here's the headline. As U.S. debt surges, Europe brings its own under control. So we got that news from the Wall Street Journal over the weekend, which highlighted that as America is issuing these trillions of dollars in debt for its deficit spending, Europe is going in the opposite direction. And they are doing so by either raising taxes, as is the case in the United Kingdom, or they're cutting or adjusting their domestic spending, as is the case in Germany. In fact, we talked about that German plan back on September 12th, but let's refresh our memories Germany is backing off of a pledge to commit 2% of its GDP to spending on its military. That is a commitment that it is supposed to make as a condition of being part of the military alliance, NATO. But now they're pulling back on that pledge and instead they are increasing spending on domestic programs. That'll include a 12% increase in unemployment benefits and a doubling of welfare payments to the German citizens. Which of course is a little bit peculiar because Berlin promised to increase that military spending after Russia invaded Ukraine and obviously caused a whole bunch of anxiety and alarm all throughout Europe, most especially in Germany. So those are the two pieces of news for us that we can now string together with one piece of news about growing U.S. debts and deficits and the other news about Europe going in the opposite direction and shoring up their finances. So thinking about it, stepping back, what are the links between these two stories for you. Well, as you think about it, here's what I see, pivoting now to my analysis and opinion. And let's start with this. As I speak to you, Joe Biden is going to Congress to ask them to deficit spend another $60 billion for the war in Ukraine. And that is on top of the 70 billion plus that we have already spent. And yet at the very same time, European governments, including and especially the Germans, they're shoring up their balance sheets by largely letting us pay for their war in Europe, a war just, again, that is in their backyard. Plus, they're counting on you, the American taxpayers, to pay for their nation's defenses should they ever be invaded, via NATO, of course. And here's the kicker. As they save by doing those two things, by having us be involved in Ukraine and indeed making sure that we are there for them should they ever be invaded via NATO, well, they're taking all the savings from that and they're reinvesting it in their domestic spending on things like welfare and unemployment benefits. 
In other words, in my view, Europe is playing us like a bunch of suckers, and we are letting them get away with it. That doesn't seem right to me, but as ever, reasonable people can absolutely disagree on this one. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, thank you. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, an equal thanks, and we'll be right back. Well, the world is just awful lately, isn't it? And sometimes it makes you just want to crawl into bed and scream into your mattress to make it all go away. Well, if you do, just make sure that your mattress is made by GhostBed. Seriously, folks, GhostBed makes the finest mattresses on the market today with craftsmanship and high-quality materials that you can feel as you fall asleep. And I would know. I had their Lux model, and I bought it because I sleep hot, and that thing helps keep me cool all night long for a great night's sleep. Now, people have asked, how does this technology work to cool you? I don't know. Magic? Maybe little elves in there somewhere with ice cubes? Probably. But it doesn't matter. Their mattresses, ladies and gentlemen, are top-notch. And if you don't believe me, that's okay. They have a 101-day trial period plus free shipping and returns, so you can try it out in the comfort of your own home. So, go to ghostbed.com backslash right. That's W-R-I-G-H-T. And you can explore all of their incredible models. And right now, they are giving my listeners 40% off their GhostBed purchases. But you got to use that code right. Again, go to ghostbed.com backslash right. W-R-I-G-H-T. And get yourself the good night's sleep that you deserve. Folks, I've mentioned to you that to put this podcast together, I work upwards of 12 hours a day. Now, that doesn't leave me much time to cook. And that is why I have been so grateful for America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit called Factor. These meals come fresh, delivered right to your doorstep, and take two little minutes to eat. Now, if you are skeptical like I am, I was at first thinking, "Eh, this stuff is going to taste like airline food. But no, sir. No, ma'am. These Factor meal kits are good. And Factor has a wide variety of meals to choose from, folks, covering lunch and dinner and some very good breakfast options, too. Portion sizes, by the way, are appropriate and modest, making them perfect as a nice meal or a hearty snack for hungry guys like me. Bottom line, folks, you know that I take great care when endorsing products, and I sure do with this one. Factor is my go-to option for when I am just too darn busy to cook. That is why you must head to factormeals.com slash right five zero. Use that promo code right five zero, and you're going to get 50% off. Again, that is factormeals.com slash W-R-I-G-H-T-5-0. And you're going to go and get 50% off, folks. What a deal. Go there and get this stuff today. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs and updates this morning with international news. First, let's go to the South China Sea this morning and let's grab our maps for this update. And let's look for the second Thomas Shoal. It's a part of the Spratly Islands, which you will find with, well, Vietnam will be far off to your west and the Philippines a little bit closer to your east. Well, as you find the second Thomas Shoal, it's once again back in the news, ladies and gentlemen, and that's why we're going back. And there are some very serious implications for the U.S. military. And that is, ladies and gentlemen, because the Biden White House signed a defense treaty last spring with the Philippines, promising to come to their aid if they were ever attacked, to include specifically in the South China Sea. And one could argue that such an attack just happened over the weekend. So here's what we know. 
The Philippines Navy was on a routine mission over the weekend to resupply a ship that they actually ran aground on that second Thomas Shoal about 25 years ago. And they did that back in the day because China was also making some claims in this area. So they pushed that old ship on the shoal and it became a, well, Philippine base of sorts. So back on August 23rd, I told you about how China was not happy about the existence of that Philippine ship, nor the, any of these uh, resupply missions to bring the men on board, well, food and water and materials to repair the ship. And to demonstrate their unhappiness, the Chinese have been harassing and nearly colliding with these Philippine resupply ships. Well, over the weekend, that harassment happened once again. But it this time, my goodness, far more aggressive than when we talked about this back in August. So here's what happened. Not once, but twice vessels with the Chinese Coast Guard struck two different Philippine boats. Now, thankfully, nobody was sunk. But now the two nations are arguing about who is to blame for these collisions. For what it's worth, you can judge for yourselves. There are videos of these collisions linked in the transcripts. But here's why we should care. The Philippine Foreign Ministry was asked on Sunday if they would invoke that new treaty with the U.S., that we would have to come to their aid militarily. And the ministry said, quote, it is something that needs to be studied, end quote. And that means, ladies and gentlemen, if Manila does decide to invoke that treaty, then we could be looking at a new third theater of conflict for America's military with Ukraine, Israel, and God forbid, China. You may recall that I warned about this yesterday when we spoke about America's inability to produce enough war material for all three of these conflicts, especially those 155 artillery shells. My goodness. So those are the latest facts and data out of the South China Sea. With those in hand, let me now offer you my analysis and opinion on what I think is really going on here. Simply put, folks, China's testing us. They know that we signed this treaty. And they are going to escalate to see how or whether we respond to find our red lines and our resolve. And they're feeling emboldened to do this because we are so busy, busy in Ukraine and now with supplying Israel. In other words, they think that we are stretched very thin and we are. And to Beijing's mind, we are not then prepared to fight or defend our equities in three theaters of war to include in Asia. And that offers China a very intriguing moment in history as they consider when and how to take Taiwan back by force, if necessary. In fact, you may recall I warned about this scenario back on October 9th as we were talking about the global fallout of these attacks on Israel. So, as ever, let's keep our eyes on the South China Sea this morning and that second Thomas Shoal, which is just a very tiny place, but a very big impact on us all. Finally, this morning, we head to Western Africa to the countries of Ghana and the Ivory Coast, which is also known as Cote d'Ivoire for you French speakers. And we last talked about these countries in June and July, mostly because of something that we probably didn't know at the time. Those two nations produced the vast majority of the world's cocoa beans. That is, of course, the key ingredient for chocolate. As I warned over the summer, though, things were not looking great for their cocoa crops. They were first inundated with rains, which damaged the very tiny little flowers that create the cocoa fruit. Plus, there was a related outbreak of a fungus called the black pod disease, and it was a viral outbreak of something called the swollen shoot virus. Well, unfortunately for both Ghana and the Ivory Coast, and for anybody who loves chocolate, the news has not gotten much better since we last spoke over the summer. Supply of the cocoa beans is down about 16%. 
because of those poor conditions. You add that with the fact that demand is holding steady, and that has pushed cocoa prices up 40% just this year. Indeed, prices reached a 44-year high on Monday. And while this is bad for those of us who like a good chocolate bar, and that's true, that's me, there is also a national security tie-in here, too. We have seen radical jihadi groups operating in the Ivory Coast and trying to make inroads in Ghana as well. So if economic conditions were to deteriorate for these countries, especially the, the farmers and the kids who labor in the fields, then it makes that siren song of radical Islam a, a whole lot sweeter. No chocolate pun intended. For what it's worth, chocolate companies are well aware of the argument that has been made by farmers in these countries that they're just paid too little for their cocoa beans. Indeed, there has been many years of debate about how to solve that. But regardless, that is why I will continue to watch these countries and this region, most especially now that radical Islam is back on our radars. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. It is a listener question today sent to us from one of my paid subscribers at rightreport.substack.com. Brent in Falls Church, Virginia wrote in and his email was very well-timed. He highlighted a development out of Washington, D.C. about that very liberal city embracing some pretty conservative solutions. So here's what Brent flagged for me all connected to the special report that I gave you back on October 6th regarding crime in America. Yesterday, the mayor of Washington, D.C. announced a new tough-on-crime package that reversed their so-called police reforms. Those were enacted following the death of George Floyd back in 2020 and the summer of riots that followed. Some highlights of the new crime bill in D.C. include, first, stiffer penalties for retail crime. That seems good. Second, prosecuting people for wearing a mask while committing a crime. Also sounds good. Third, a new definition of a police chokehold. And this is a pretty controversial one, all related to that death of George Floyd, of course. Cops in Washington, D.C. will now be allowed to engage in what they are calling incidental contact with the neck. Well, the bill is called the Act Now legislation, and D.C.'s mayor, Muriel Bowser, said it is designed to undo some of the, quote, negative consequences, end quote, of the George Floyd reforms, as they were called yesterday. 
Now, to underline why Ms. Bowser is doing this, overall crime in D.C. this year is up 27%. Homicides, for what it's worth, are up 34%. But as I shared with Brent, it is not just D.C. that is having this change of heart, if you will. As I briefed you all on last Thursday, San Francisco's mayor is trying to adopt a new drug testing requirement for anybody who wants welfare benefits. And I've actually got an update for you on that. A new poll of residents in that very famously liberal city show 74% of them support the mayor's new drug testing requirement. And that large percentage will come as a shock to the progressives who run the city council. As listeners know, they are still very much opposed to what they are calling this radical right-wing Republican idea of a drug testing requirement. Lastly, one other pivot, as it were, to tell you about by leftists in these various cities around America, making a move towards more, well, conservative, I suppose, but really it's just common sense solutions. The Democrat governor of New York and the mayor of New York City are now fighting to remove migrants from the city's right to shelter law. Now, to refresh our memories on what exactly that is, New York City has a very unique law that says that every homeless person must be provided shelter in that city. No other large city in the United States has that kind of rule. Well, because of sanctuary city policies, illegal migrants from all around the world are taking advantage of that right to shelter rule. And they have, in fact, flocked to New York City, crushing taxpayers there with a bill to care for them. $12 billion and counting, according to local officials. And so now both the mayor and the governor have reversed course, saying that they want that right to shelter law to be repealed, at least for migrants. Or as the governor recently said, quote, I don't know how the right to shelter can or should be interpreted to be an open invitation to 8 billion people who live on this planet, telling them that if you show up on the streets of New York, that the city of New York has an obligation to provide you with a hotel room or a shelter. No, end quote. Well, be that as it may, it does appear that some portion of the 8 billion people all around the world do believe that. If they can get to New York City, they can stay there for free. Well, I'll keep you posted on how the courts rule on this effort by Democrats to repeal their right to shelter laws. At any rate, great question, Brent, and good find. Thanks for writing in. Folks, if you'd like me to answer one of your questions on the podcast, it's easy to do. Either donate via my Stripe account, which you will find a link for in the show notes. Just make sure you leave your email and I'll be in touch. Otherwise, go to writereport.substack.com, sign up. But at the bottom of each day's Substack post, you can leave me a comment or ask me a question. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.